Spring is on the way. Let's pray. Our Lord, uh, we thank you that we can get together here tonight and once again look at your great works in your Son, Lord. And as we study the uh, trial, uh, how your Son was condemned to death, and that's all part of our redemption. We pray that you increase our understanding and our appreciation and our trust and love and commitment, Lord, to those things. We thank you that if we see these things as glorious, it's only because you've been merciful to us, given us light. We pray for those that are still in the darkness, that you would have mercy on them, that you would equip us to explain the word of God, your word and the gospel to them. Lord, we pray for Dorothy Schaefer and Esther Toms and Frida and uh, Bill Carson. We pray for all four of these, that you would be near your dear saints, Lord, and uh, that you can work miracles, Lord. We, we desire you to raise them up. We commit ourselves to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are simply going through the New Testament in chronological order, and we're in the Gospels. We're up to the point of Jesus' trial and his condemnation. So if you look at page 208 there on the right-hand side is where, is where we're going to begin here tonight. And uh, we'll see how far we can get. And you're very welcome for comments uh, and, and questions, you guys. So... Jesus' trial proceeds through six phases, and it'll, it'll help us up front kind of if we see the forest, forest from the trees. There are six phases, and uh, there is a preliminary hearing before Annas at night. That would be Thursday night, or yeah, Thursday night at, be, before Annas, um, a high priest, and it's only referred to in the Gospel of John. And I got John 8.13 up here on the screen right now. And after the arrest, they led him away to Annas first. For he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. And should explain these guys, um, Annas had been the high priest up until some years earlier, but the Romans disposed him. And the Roman government, was that? Deposed. Oh, I said disposed, didn't I? <laughs> deposed him, thank you. Yeah, they disposed him too. <laughs> Not quite. They didn't go that far, actually. Uh, they deposed him. Uh, they deposed him, and... That, of course, was one of the things that the Jews historically hated is that the Romans, the Roman government actually appointed who was the Israel's high priest. And that created a lot of resentment among some of the Jews. But they, they uh, deposed Annas, and a lot of the Jewish people still considered Annas the high priest. And they installed his son-in-law, so Annas' son-in-law is Caiaphas. 
And so from the political point of view of the Roman Empire, Caiaphas is the official high priest. So when you read your Gospels, sometimes you get which high, who is the high priest and why is there two? And that's the reason a lot of the Jews simply still considered Annas the high priest, even though if there was any official dealings with Rome, it had to come from Caiaphas. And that's going to play out in the trial here because Jesus is going to go from Annas to Caiaphas because Pilate isn't going to care about anything that comes out of Annas's court. What Pilate is going to care about is what comes out of Caiaphas's uh, Sanhedrin and so forth. So, so the first thing we're going to see here is this preliminary hearing before Annas. And the second thing is then it goes to a formal trial before Caiaphas. And he is the high priest, as I have said, and he is the chairman of the Sanhedrin. The Jews had a ruling body of 70, and the high priest is the chairman of that ruling body. So Jesus goes from Annas, then he goes to Caiaphas, and he goes before the Sanhedrin. And then the third thing, and this is a little bit vague in the, in the text, is there's another meeting of the council after that first meeting with Caiaphas. It's either another session or it's the conclusion of the meeting before the Sanhedrin. You see it, just follow me on the notes there. We're down to number three there. Um, and... One, two, and three are like a religious trial. One, two, and three are they're going to convict Jesus of blasphemy. Okay? But then the trial is going to go before the Roman governor, Pilate. So, because the Jews do not have the authority to do what? Some of you that know your Bibles more and not, don't, Brian, don't answer. They can't kill them. They can't, uh, well, of course they can't work, but I mean, they're not allowed to do that accusation of, of Christ in that manner because they wanted him. Well, you're close. Yeah, the, so I know the answer. I can't put it for Yeah, it. yeah. The Romans did not allow the ruling body of the Jews to execute capital punishment. The, the ruling body of the Jews could do a lot of kinds of things, but if, if the Jews wanted someone executed, they had to bring them before the Roman governor. So the, the Jews want Jesus executed, and so they're going to have to bring him before Pilate, the Roman governor. So that's number four here. They bring Jesus before the Roman governor, and that's like early Friday morning. And then number five here is, and we'll go through this in detail through the text, but in number, number five here is when Pilate is interrogating Jesus, he finds out that Jesus is a Galilean from the north. And Pilate didn't have jurisdiction over the north. Pilate had jurisdiction over Judea, and Herod, the Tetrarch, had jurisdiction over Galilee, and Pilate was really relieved. I can get rid of this case. I'll just send Jesus to Herod. 
And it happens that Herod was in Jerusalem at the time. So number five, Pilate ships Jesus off to Herod. And uh, then Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate, number six, the second time. Okay, So th- those are the, the major phases of Jesus' trial that he's going to go through here. Now, <clears throat> the above sequence is clear from the Gospel accounts, but precisely when Peter's three denials occurred, and when and how many times Jesus was abused by the soldiers, those are two difficult questions to answer somewhat, to get all the order precisely right. There's some places where it's just difficult, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll work through that the best we can. So one thing is sure, we have four independent accounts or sources of Jesus' trial. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the fact that they're not like hand and glove is a good thing because it shows us they're really historical sources. In other words, these guys didn't sit down together and say, okay, now let's write four Gospels and let's make sure they all perfectly agree. No, it's, it's very historical. You've got multiple sources of the same event and they're not going to be identical. I mean, if you read a history of the Revolutionary War from different sources, you'll, you'll see the same thing. All those details don't precisely line up. And that's exactly what we have with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is they're very much independent, independent sources. And of course, on all the major facts, they agree just, you know, just fine. And, uh, okay, so, um, Here we go. Well, let's start with Jesus before Annas and Peter's first denial. So uh, here we are in John 18. uh, They arrested Jesus in verse 12. They bound him, verse 13. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, high priest that year. Now Caiaphas, who advised the Jews that it was expedient Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So, John immediately interrupts his account about Annas and puts in this note about Caiaphas. And that was important to John. And we should talk about why he did that. And uh, actually, I'm, gonna, I'm not following the order of my notes. I'm jumping ahead now that we're on this verse. But John wants his, his readers to know it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews it was expedient that one man should die for the people. What is he talking about? Let's go back to John chapter 11 and verse 47. And what had happened right before this John 11:47. What caused uh, verse 47? Then the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, "What shall we do? For this man works many miracles." What was it that caused them to do this? Lazarus. Yes. What about Lazarus? He's dead. You what? 
You're guessing. <laughs> he did. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And that happened right here in John 11. And the chief priest, verse 47 now, see the chief priest called a council. And that was Caiaphas was leading this council. They called this council, they gathered, and they said, what shall we do for this man, Jesus, works many miracles? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What are they talking about? Well, you know, they're, they're concerned about Jesus. He's working so many miracles. And he goes, you know, if he just continues like this, then everybody will believe, believe in him. Is that what they say? Yeah. Everyone will believe in him. And then what? And, but what are they worried about? The, don't, you don't answer. What are, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What are they, what are they talking about? Their prosperity, their fame, their... I mean, their no. No? No. I mean, How are the, what, what's going to happen? What do they think may happen if they don't get rid of Jesus? Valerie. Close. Very good. Mariah. Right. 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 What, what, the, what this council and high priest, what they're concerned about is that Jesus is going to lead an insurrection. And they already have histories of attempted insurrections. And what happens every time some of the Jews get really zealous and they try to lead a resurrection? The Romans come and kill them all and destroy them. That's what they're concerned about, is that Jesus is going to lead an insurrection and, the Ro and, they, and they already believe it would never succeed and the Roman government is going to come and squash the Jewish insurrection and destroy them. And when does that actually happen? Seventy years later, and seventy years later, forty years later, forty years later. That's exactly what happens when Israel is finally completely destroyed by the Romans. Is they do lead an insurrection. The Jews lead an insurrection. So uh, after Jesus worked these mighty miracles. They're concerned. That's what they're concerned about. Uh, which shows you they haven't really been listening to Jesus. Correct? Yeah. If you had been listening to Jesus, you, he, he says nothing about a political uh, squash, you know, uh, an insurrection against Roman authority. He actually discourages that. So much so that many of the Jews gave up on Jesus because he would not be willing to be crowned the political king. John chapter 6. So, Valerie. Like, um, I don't remember where he says, he says give we, we, we got to give you the microphone. So, go ahead. You can use that. I don't remember where he says this, but he says, give to Caesars what is Caesars, which I thought was very, kind of a point. 
but I don't remember what was it. Oh, okay. That's in Matthew chapter 22 where, where Jesus tells him to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Yeah. Yeah, which was an amazing answer that Caesar and God, when it works right, can actually get along with each other. Mm-hmm. And our nation used to be like that. <laughs> when our nation was founded, it was quite a bit like that. And, and we've lost quite a bit of that now. So, so let's read a little further here, and you'll see how it ties into what John said. So if we let him alone, and this is Caiaphas's Sanhedrin now, and, and if we left him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest this year, said to them, you know nothing at all. <laughs> so he really, he, he really slams the rest of his uh, council members. You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. So this is what John wanted to remind us of just prior to the start of the trial. See, John sent us back here to remember this. Now, what is he saying? What is Caiaphas thinking when he makes that statement that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not the whole nation should perish? Valerie, what do you think? He means. Um, they think that if he dies, then the insurrectionism will just die along with him. Right. But how does Caiaphas, how, how is he going to die? They're going to kill him. Yeah. That's basically what Caiaphas is saying to that council. We need to find out a way to execute this man and save the nation. Because if we don't, he's going to lead this insurrection and the Romans are going to come and destroy this whole place. That's, that's what Caiaphas is saying when he says it's expedient that one man should die for the nation. But what is so ironic about this is in God's plan, that's actually what's going to happen. Jesus is going to save the nation by actually dying. And so... John helps us understand this in the next verse. Now this he said, now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So Caiaphas is really in the dark and they're actually going to be the instruments of how God is going to save not only Jews but Gentiles. Uh, I want to say Braden, (laughs) thanks for helping me out. (laughs) Uh, I have a question about that verse. When it says that he did not say this on his own authority and he prophesied. Does that mean that God prophesied through him? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Which is, 
which is an example that God can use unregenerate, you know, he used Balaam, right? <laughs> and Balaam's donkey. <laughs> and so obviously he can use Caiaphas. It says that it means that he can speak to people who are in authority, like in Romans uh, 6 after that, or 7. Or 13. 13. <laughs> <laughs> Romans 13. Yeah, just, ha- just hang on to it. Uh, so, so, uh, so John sends us back to this, and Caiaphas is actually going to now be involved because Caiaphas is going to sentence him to death. Okay? He's going to sentence Jesus to death, and he's carrying out... Caiaphas thinks he's going to save the nation from uh, a, a, a Roman destruction, but Caiaphas is actually going to be used in God's plan for his son to die and redeem us. So what we have going on here, it's, it's ironic. You know, John wants us to know that. Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews. So is we have, ironically, we have two definitions as to why it was expedient that one man should die for the people. We've got Caiaphas's definition of what that means and we've got God's definition of what that means uh, <clears throat> that he should save the people and the children of God scattered abroad okay so let now uh, Peter verse 16 uh, verse 15 and Simon Peter followed did you have your hand up? oh okay and Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple and we think that's John, okay? And so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. So John actually knew the high priest's family and got into the courtyard. Uh, But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, he says that a second time, went out and spoke to her, the servant girl who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Okay? And now what we have is Peter's first denial. We'll, just, we'll do Peter's first denial right here. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said to him, I am not. Okay, so that's Peter's first, uh, first denial, that he's not one of Jesus' followers. And um, now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus, okay, so we leave the scene, we leave Peter, Peter's denied Christ once, and he's now by the fire warming himself, and now John switches the camera over to Annas, the high priest. And so the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly, I spoke openly to the world. Okay? 
I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues, and we've seen that over and over again, and in the temple where the Jews meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. So, what has he just done four days prior to this? Yeah, for four or five days straight prior to this, he's been teaching in the temple every day. And there's been big crowds. There's thousands of people that have been hearing him. There's all kinds of witnesses to his teaching. And and going back further, he always spoke in the synagogues or or out in the open. Nothing I've said in secret. Uh, Let's look at at these a little bit further. Okay, I gotta find. I gotta find my place in my own notes here. Yeah, Annas is questioned about the disciples. He questions him about his disciples. That may relate to their number. How many disciples does he have? How many committed followers does Jesus have? Were they capable of leading an uprising? Perhaps they too should be arrested and charged. Jesus' disciples. Regarding Jesus' doctrine, Annas questioned Jesus about his doctrine. We have many examples of those kinds of questions from the rulers earlier in the Gospels. And they were always trying to get Jesus on the charge of being a false prophet or a false teacher. And they were trying to get Jesus Make Jesus out as if he opposed what? Peter. What's that? Right. They were always trying, in, in regarding Jesus' doctrine, they were trying to, to say he is contrary to the law of Moses. He's denying the law of Moses. And if they could convict him on that, then, you know, people would not believe in him any longer. And so they're constantly trying to pit the law of Moses against Jesus' teaching. And, and you see that uh, throughout the Gospels, but you especially see that in the Sermon on the Mount, don't you? With passages in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said what in that sermon? And you're not going to answer. <laughs> About that issue. They, they were accusing Jesus of always being contrary to the law. And what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount about the law? Absolutely. I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He said other things very strong that not one jot or tittle from the law will fall away until all is accomplished. And he went so far as to say, he who keeps these commandments and teaches them, will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and he who ignores them will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So so the questioning of Annas, of Jesus, is, is, you know, they want to convict him on a charge of being contrary to the law of Moses. Now, Jesus doesn't answer either of his questions. And what does Jesus say? Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Now, 
Well, also what's going on here is legal procedure. In a trial, it was not just to question the defendant. If you were going to exonerate or convict the defendant, you had to do that with witnesses. So probably that's one of the reasons Jesus does not answer the question is Annas is violating proper legal procedure. And Jesus is saying, go get the witnesses. You know, you, you don't trust me. I could lie about my teaching. I could lie about my I could lie about everything. Go get the witnesses that that I taught openly. I said nothing in secret. See? So that's that's what's going on here. He doesn't answer. Uh, there's all kinds of witnesses they could bring into the courtroom, so to say, and have a fair trial, whether Jesus was teaching against Moses or whether he was trying to lead an insurrection. And you see, the insurrection thing here is, is in these words where, uh, where he says, uh, and in secret I have said nothing. Because those who always were planning an insurrection, they wanted to keep it secret until the day they launched it, Right? And Jesus said, no, I haven't been uh, leading an insurrection in secret. Turn the microphone on. It's got to be green. Uh, Please uh, give a quick definition of insurrection. Oh, okay. Oh, I could make a joke. It wouldn't be good. (laughs) January 6th was not an insurrection. Okay, now let's move on. Okay. An insurrection is when you have a a, a group of of people who want to th- uh, or coup. They want to throw off the existing government, and they're going to do it by force. So they plan and they recruit and they arm themselves and they plan and they recruit and they actually want to de- de- depose <laughs> depose the current leaders and put themselves in the place of them. No, that, that, that's what an insurrection is, is to, you know, there's a lot of them throughout the history of mankind to, to throw out the current rulers and put themselves in the rule. Thank and, you. I was hesitant to ask when our sweet little Valerie used the word. I was like, I don't even know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's my stumbling around definition of, of doing that. So. Um, and the Jews had done that multiple times before. Uh, okay, so Jesus doesn't answer, tells Annas, uh, ask those who heard my teaching. Okay, and when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, do you answer the high priest like that? And uh, let me get some details out of my notes here. Um, so this temple officer thinks Jesus is disrespecting the high priest and assaults him. Striking a prisoner was against Jewish law, but obviously tolerated in Annas's court, at least in this case. And striking with the palm of his hand is, this was like a, a slap with the palm of his hand. The Greek, the Greek term there denotes a sharp blow with the flat of one's hand. Jesus answered him, 
If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? So, now the law, the law required respect for rulers. Exodus 22, 28. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. So Jesus is alluding to the law when he says, in his response, if, if I've spoken evil, you see, well then I'm guilty, but he hasn't spoken evil of the ruler, you see. If I've spoken evil, the, the law there says, you know, do not curse the ruler of your people. And so Jesus is saying, show me from the law that I have done something wrong to Annas. And of course, he hasn't. Uh, <clears throat> so another other thing that's interesting here is, um, well, the officer is the one who struck Jesus is the violator of the law in this situation, not not Jesus. The people, you know, sadly, often that's the case. Those with authority become the violators of the law. Right? Uh, so, there's nothing new under the sun, okay? So, the officer really is the one violating the law. Obviously, Annas allows it. Now, now this is interesting. So, neither did Jesus consider his response to be a violation of his own turning the other cheek principle. Okay? Because he spoke up. So, there's a responsibility to bear witness to the truth regardless of the consequences. Okay, so this Jesus did. So, Jesus spoke up. Okay. Uh, So, turning the other cheek does not mean we have to be silent. Not at all. Not if we have a just cause. And, and Jesus has a just cause, so he speaks. Um, <clears throat> so uh, this Jesus did. Uh, witnesses, uh, witnesses should be sought. Okay. Uh, now, in a similar setting, Paul didn't do quite as well as Jesus. <laughs> so when Paul, some of you don't know, we should look at this. We should slow down and look at Oh, yeah, Acts chapter 23. I'll put it up here. Now, Paul didn't do quite as well as Jesus. So, um, then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, Paul is is before the same Sanhedrin, but it's a different high priest. Ananias is now the high priest, but it is the 70. It's the Jewish Sanhedrin again, and now we're, we're at the Apostle Paul here, so we're some decades beyond what we were studying with Jesus. So Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high priest? 
than Paul said. Now, you know, Paul could plead ignorance here, but he corrected himself. Paul said, well, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Okay. So, um, I think I know what Brian's going to say, but go ahead. I was going to say no, something right before. I, I can do that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say something. I didn't oh, know. no, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, just leave it on. Okay. Um, I want to hear what Brian's going to say, but the thing is, like, yes, we what you had said, he was in the wrong, didn't do as good as Christ, but at least he recognized it. He didn't know that well, the, that's he true. didn't know that he was the high right. priest. He didn't know that so he when was he the high spoke, priest. he didn't know. Right. Correct. Right. Okay. He I, didn't I, know, I guess he I'm didn't sticking up for Paul. When he spoke. But, right. right. So uh, <laughs> everybody wants to get in on this one. So maybe maybe Paul's innocent, right? Maybe it's okay for Paul to speak that way. There's another perspective if you think about it. Go for it. So Paul's standing there, and there are some that are close by. And the high priest does a signal. And I, my understanding is that the high priest um, yeah. has his own personal bodyguard or something guarding yeah. the person being questioned. Yeah. And those people that are guarding know the high priest very well. And the high priest does not have to call out, hit him on the cheek. Oh. They, he can give a signal that's inaudible, which yeah. is what it sounds like he did to Paul, yeah. to the guy. And the guy strikes him, and Paul reviles him and says, God will strike you. Someone else next to him says, are you going to revile God's high priest? And Paul looks at the guy striking him and says, I did not know he was the high priest, knowing that he isn't, meaning he is innocent. Because he's not saying that of Ananias. He's saying that of the guy that struck him. That's interesting. Because that's what he does. He says, I shall not strike the ruler of God's people, but this guy that struck me isn't the high priest. So he shouldn't have struck me. And Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. For you sit to judge me according... Well, it sounds like he's talking to the high priest. Well, he doesn't... I'll have to think about that. Because the one judging here is the high priest. But he would know that the one commanding would be the high priest, but he says, I didn't know. So something else is going on there. And we know that's a true statement for him to say that. Yeah, Yeah, you sit to judge me according to the law. So that makes it sound like he knew, knew, but yet he says he didn't know. Okay, I see. Okay, Rochelle. So what, what I'm thinking is like, did he, did he say, I didn't know because the words that he said were, were strong, that God will strike you, you whitewash? Well, I don't know whether that's the reason why he, he changed his mind. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Uh, I don't know. He, he, he's using an Old Testament reference to hypocrisy yeah. where there's all this corruption on the inside, like a decaying wall, and you paint it white not to see it. So he's really saying you're, you're a hypocrite. Uh, yeah, so, okay. Probably Paul knew that they were the, the rulers, and yes. they were the ones judging him. He, right. Maybe he knew. And they were hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Okay. I, <laughs> this pa- these passages get connected because obviously they're kind of similar. Paul is now being mistreated by another ungodly high priest, Ananias, and just just like uh, Jesus was. Um, <laughs> and he came on pretty uh, pretty strong. Um, okay. Uh, let's go back to uh, John as we're still uh, okay, we're still with Annas. All right, where were we? Okay. So he doesn't answer. Okay. That okay. So that's the end of Annas's. We might have an abbreviated account here. So then, then Annas sent him to Caiaphas, um, the high priest. So now we're at number two on our little outline. We're at number two now on that little outline on that front page. So now we're, Jesus is going to be sent off to Caiaphas. But before. John continues with that. John's going to tell us about Peter's uh, denials. And so right now we're just kind of following John. So now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And this is the second denial. And he denied it and said, I am not. Now this is the second time. So I think the first time was pretty quickly when Peter got inside the courtyard. And this second time seems to be happening during the period of time when Jesus is being transferred over to Caiaphas is when this second denial occurs and and Peter denies it. And... uh, Now, there's a third denial. Now, a whole bunch of things happen between verses 25 and 26 when we read the other Gospels. And John is being very selective. And uh, uh, John goes immediately to Peter's third denial. But this, we know from the other accounts, is probably an hour later or more. And we'll see that when we read the other accounts. But John is taking care of all three of Peter's denials at this point. So, um, so he denied it. Then, then one of the servants of the high priest, this is really interesting, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said... Did I not see you in the garden with him, being Jesus? So there's a relative of Malchus who was in the garden, who's now back in the courtyard, who saw Peter chop the guy's ear off. Okay, So you'll remember when, when they came to arrest Jesus and Someone said, shall we strike with a sword? And Jesus did not say strike with the sword, but Peter didn't wait. And Peter pulled out his small sword and Peter lobbed off the ear of the high priest's servant. 
Well, it turns out, and the guy's name was Malchus. So one of Malchus's relatives was actually in the garden and now is in the court and recognizes Peter, which must have freaked Peter out because, you know, one of the questions on these accounts is why didn't Peter get arrested? You know, why didn't the temple police or the Roman, or the Romans that were there, why didn't they, why didn't they seize Peter? Maybe because Jesus healed Malchus's ear, but so so Simon Peter stood one. Therefore, they said to him, uh, "No, okay." So one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose Peter Peter cut off his ear, said, "Did I not see you in the garden with him, with Jesus?" And, and you know he's. Uh, nah, I won't say that. Peter then denied again. Okay, and immediately a rooster crowed. So John has very brief condensed account. So that was the third time because, because Jesus had told Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And, and John is just concerned to give us the minimalist account <laughs> which we have of Peter's denials. They're all right here, one, two, three, and uh, and John doesn't give us any more detail, and uh, the other Gospels will, will give us some more detail. Mariah, uh, bring the microphone to Mariah, way in the back there. So were all three of the denials on the same day? Yes, they were all on the same evening, and we'll piece that together further as we go. They're all happening late Thursday evening after the arrest. Uh, and yeah, they're all happening before the next morning. Okay, and then from the garden to the cross, like you're saying that they sent Jesus from this guy to this guy. Like how many days was that? Oh, that is all, this is all happening that night and early the next morning. And you know, I was supposed to put up a map and show you that at the start. <laughs> so this is all in I'll one day and one night? This is all one night into the next morning. Yeah. We don't know when they arrived there, when they arrived at Annas's, you know, but the Passover celebration was all Thursday night. Mm -hmm. They went over to the, then they traveled out to the Mount of Olives, to the garden. Jesus prayed and then they came and arrested him. That's all happening late Thursday night, uh, 9, 10, 9, 10 o'clock, 11. And then we, we went, so this, this hearing before Annas is in the middle of the night. Okay? And where we're going to end up is the final Sanhedrin meeting is going to be early Friday morning around sunrise is when Jesus is going to be shipped off to Pilate. Early Friday morning, Jesus is going to go to Pilate. And so, here's a map, and uh, if you can see it from back there, I can expand it a little bit more. So, um, they arrest Jesus up here. Well, the scale of this map, it's, it's the distances are... It's only about from, from here's the Garden of Gethsemane up here on the upper right. Can you see that? Here's, here's where they arrest him. 
And don't, those purple lines don't relate directly to this. Uh, and they bring him down here to the high priest's house. And that's probably about, I don't know, one and a half or two miles. Down here to the high priest's house. And this is where uh, the account we've been reading here tonight. Now, I, I have to say, there are some that think the high priest's house is over here. But I'm going more with the, with the traditional. Some think the high priest's house is closer over here to the temple. There's two houses, though, right? Well, <clears throat> those that think it's over here actually say the Sanhedrin met in, in here. And I, I don't think that's the case. But that, that theory is out here. I, we think, I think, both Annas and Caiaphas are in this priestly compound. Yeah. And but that both before Annas and Caiaphas, that's all going to happen here. Yeah. So, Mariah, so they come from the garden. It might be 10 o'clock at night. And they come down here. And, and Jesus is before Annas for a period of time. And early that morning, there, he's also before the Sanhedrin. And, and it's at daybreak. Around daybreak on Friday morning is when the Sanhedrin condemns him to death. Okay? And so then what they do is they send him to Pilate. Friday early Friday morning, they send him to Pilate, and he's over here in the praetorium where the Roman governors and so forth stayed. Okay? And then, as Pilate is interviewing him and finds out that Jesus is a Galilean, he, he's gonna, he wants to wash his hands of this thing. He says, oh, good, I'm going to send him to Herod. And so over here is Herod's palace. So Pilate then sends Jesus over here, Herod interrogates him, and then Herod sends him back. And, and it's still, Pilate still has to rule. And all of this is going to take place from like 9 or 10 o'clock Thursday evening to somewhat early uh, Friday morning. Okay? So. And, and this is, this is in Jerusalem. This is all inside Jerusalem. And the the, let me show you the mileage scale on this map. Um, let, let, me, let me switch tools here for a second. Oh, that one. What's going on here? I got to deselect that image. This tool. Let me do that. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> I don't want to delete pages. Uh, let's do it this way. If this works. Oh, I know. All right, let's get it up high enough. Let's use this tool. Bottom left. Yeah, bottom left. You're in the top right. All right. It isn't the bottom. Thanks, Brian. Right there. See the scale? Can you see that? That's two tenths of a mile. So this is all within about, I don't know, it's no more than a, per, the perimeter is probably no more than five or six miles, the whole perimeter of this. Yeah, so they could, it, there's enough time. 
That's correct. There's enough time to make all these moves in that in that period of time. See that? Yeah, you got analytical mind here. This is a chemist over here. <laughs> She's figuring all that out. Okay, so uh, so we've got through uh, number one there, and Peter's uh, uh, the first summary of Peter's denial. So it's a little after eight. Do you have any other comments or questions? So. We will continue. We'll just keep right on going um, through all of this. Um, oh, okay. Well, are we already ending right now? Yeah. It's oh, a few, a okay. So bring the. Oh, we. I keep forgetting to announce that our our. If there's a few people, we had like twelve people that were live last, and they can chat in a question. So those of you that are live, uh, you can chat questions in, and uh, Alexis actually has her own handheld mi- microphone now so she can match it. When we were talking about uh, what was the boat of the Pharisees not wanting, uh, you know, about the Romans taking yes. over. Okay, one thing before you shot me down and had someone else answer. But, hold on. Well, no, but, but look, but the thing is when I was saying about, you know, their piety and all that, yeah. uh, the thing is, is they still are a part of it had to be because they knew that was going to happen, yes. But they were still very selfish. I mean, if all that happened, all their attention would be gone. If Jesus was made king and they and he did prove to be Christ, then all their piety, attention that they loved, they loved the praise of man. We know that. Matthew, all that is a key into that. You, you, I, you're bringing up something very significant. So um, there's, a diff, there's a somewhat different interpretation of the John 11 passage. And let's go back there as to what they meant. And if John Dalby's watching, he'll, he'll like this. Um, but he's probably already fallen asleep. You know what he does? He's got to get up real early in the morning. And he says what he does is he just starts listening to this, and then he just goes to sleep. That's his standard practice. Somebody else is doing that also. But they come back later and finish, I understand. But, but, but John would like this because... Uh, John favors this interpretation, and it, it may very well be, but when they say they will, they will take away both our place and nation, what they mean by our place is exactly what you just said. We are in authority. We have these high positions of honor and authority and if the Romans come, we're all going to be kicked out of our place. That's, that is exactly what you were saying. So if you, our place can mean their high positions as well as destroying the nation. And we know that's the kind of men they were, is they loved the praise, the praise of men. Yeah, I have a question you may not be able to answer, but based on your idea that Annas and Caiaphas were potentially in the same um, high priest compound yeah. that might have been taken over by any high priest family that was appointed, yes. just like the president in our White That's House, correct. right? I believe that was the case okay. with, with that facility. Um, one of the things that's interesting is when the disciple that was known by the high priest is mentioned, it seemed to be an context to Annas um, because it says that he was brought to Annas first, yes. but it doesn't necessarily have to be the case if they were in the same compound. Um, yeah. But if perchance 
it is related to Annas, then it could be the case that um, the disciple that was known to the high priest, it was actually not referring to Caiaphas, but Annas, and that the if some more traditional and or orthodox Jews thought that Annas you know, should have been high priest and the Romans had no right to make right. Caiaphas high priest, um, then they would have been, let's say, more trying to follow uh, the scriptures as best as possible, um, which could have been John uh, John's family, uh, the Zebedee family, um, which is why they were known uh, to the oh. high priest. Oh, maybe, yeah, that's an interesting thing. How was it that the sons of Zebedee and, and, and Mr. Zebedee, at, you know, and maybe Mrs. Zebedee, how, how did they know this high priestly family? And, um, you know, of course, you know, the critics try to say, well, that's, you know, John is not telling, you know, John is improvising. But, um, and, and John, the, another disciple, assuming that is John, knows the priestly family well enough that the servant girl that guards the gate, that John can go talk to the servant girl at the gate, and she, okay, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll let Peter in. So, so maybe they sold expensive fish <laughs> because John was a fisherman, correct? They got the best fish. So, any anybody else, um, Valerie? You were speaking earlier about how Peter, you thought he would be surprised to see the relative of Malchus, the person he kept the ear off. Do you think that that was vice versa, that the guy was surprised to see Peter there? Maybe even kind of afraid, because he would be like, oh, you just chopped my relative's ear off. You know, he might have been surprised, like, how in the world did you get in here, right? Yeah. He could have been surprised, like, how did you get inside the the, the courtyard? And maybe yeah. he was concerned that Peter was going to cut somebody else's ear off. <laughs> you know, now that you're bringing up the question. <laughs> I never thought about that, Valerie. Like, so. it kind of just seems you're gonna strange. You're going to make a great exegete, you know. Fifty percent of being a good exegete is to think up the right questions to ask the text. <laughs> okay, well, you guys have been a been a great class tonight, and uh, Lord willing, we we get to do this every Wednesday night. So, so let's pray. Our Lord, uh, we do thrill as we see your plans unfold and how <clears throat> uh, that great prophecy that one would die for the nation, and we thank you for John's further words there, that not for that nation only, but for the children of God scattered abroad, and we know that means us Gentiles. So Lord, we thank you for this. Keep our hearts warm and encouraged, and give us uh, give us the power and the strength to endure the difficult things you call us to, uh, you have done, huh, we haven't done anything difficult in comparison to what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for one another and the sweet, uh, sweet fellowship we can have around your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.